John for announcements. Good morning, everyone. Oh, let me try that again. Good morning for all of you who, thank you, thank you. Uh, welcome to Church in the Valley. In case you don't know me, my name is Jonathan Rickert. Just want to let you know some of the knows about, know about some of the things that we have coming up here at Church in the Valley. Um, now, first of all, as Victor said, you can find our notes and our lyrics online at civalhambra.com forward slash Sunday. You can also get a hard copy over there towards the guest resource table. And in that, you'll find the lyrics. You'll find some notes. You'll also find a connection card. And I really encourage you all, just even now as I'm speaking, to go ahead and start filling out that connection card. It's a great way for us to know what's going on in your life. There's a section here that says whether you have any prayer requests. There might be things you can sign up for as coming up. And there's also a section called My Next Step Today Is. 
And so at the end of Rick's message this morning, I really encourage you to think about what did God speak to you about and what next step would he like you to take in your life so that you can be obedient to the word of God and live that out. Now, at the end of service, when you're all done filling out that connection card, if you have the hard copy, you can just drop that over in our offering bucket over here on the Gus Resource table, as well as uh, tithe if you have a physical tithe. Now, if you're a guest with us this morning, we also have a gift for you over at the name tab table. It's a book called How Good is Good Enough. And that's really just a gift to thank you for joining us here this morning. So please go ahead and grab that on your way out. Now, coming up on Mother's Day, we are going to be having a parent-child dedication. And what that is, it's a really, it's a time for parents to dedicate themselves to raising their children in the respect and the instruction of the Lord, and a way for us as a church to recognize them doing that and to join with and help them in that process. So if you're interested in dedicating your child on Mother's Day, we have the child parent-child dedication overview today after church at 11:30, and so please join us if you'd like to dedicate your child if you've done that before and would just like a refresher you can join us as well again that's today at 11:30. now starting next week we are going to be reopening our preschool class so all you parents be excited one more week and we are there so that's for kids ages three through five that's going to be in the courtyard right next to our current um, elementary kids courtyard we're still going to be following uh, all the covid guidelines so please have a mask for your kid we're not going to be having snacks but you can send them with a water bottle and there'll be a check-in station over here but also please go ahead and register your kids online because that just helps us plan and prepare then one last thing is you may have seen on a calendar that we handed out re previously that on may 1st we were going to have a volunteer appreciation barbecue um, because of COVID guidelines, we are going to push that out a bit, hoping things that are going to reopen a bit more this summer. So we are going to get you a new date for that once we figure that out. But hold on tight. That'll come soon. So we're going to have one more song, and then we get to have Rick come up and speak to us again this morning. All right. Well, if you can all please stand up for worship for this one last song. Songs to lift one cry Then from north to south And east to west We'd hear Christ be magnified Were the whole earth echoing His eminence sea and sky from rivers to Oh, Christ, be 
angels, I'll stand strong and worship you. If it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice because you're there too. I won't be formed by feelings, I'll hold fast to what is true. If the cross brings transformation, I'll be crucified with you. And death is just the doorway to resurrection life. If I join you in your suffering, I'll join you when you rise. It's good to be with you this morning, however I am with you, uh, whether you're on, online watching uh, or here in person, it's good to see you. It's, it brings me a thrill. Um, you know, I commute 42 miles one way to be here, and consequently, I always discover something on the route coming up I-5, but mostly I notice that the closer you get to downtown Los Angeles, the more the billboard signs are taken up by attorneys. <laughs> and apparently the attorneys don't want you to go to jail. And, you know, as you go by, this attorney has this specialty, this specialty, this specialty. And I looked this morning in particular because I was looking for an attorney who specializes in DUIs. Not that I needed one, <laughs> but... If you'll write down the letters L-U-I, this message is about living under the influence of Christ's Spirit, L-U-I. Uh, so we're in Ephesians 
chapter 5. Now, if you've been hanging around here the last couple of months, when I get up, usually I'm preaching from the Psalms. Well, I'm still preaching from the Psalms because if you look down at chapter 5, verse 19, it says, speak to one another in Psalms. And we did more than speak. We've been singing praises to the Lord, songs of praise. And, you know, sometimes... Uh, my heart is so full because of the music, like today. Um, I thought, well, maybe we don't even need a sermon. I already feel full. Uh, but I do have a sermon, and I, I, I want to give it to you. Um, now, this is a letter to the Ephesians. Now, I've never met an Ephesian, but... Uh, they live in a town or lived in a town called Ephesus. You can still find it on the map. If you Google Earth, uh, Turkey, you'll find it on the east. Now, it used to be on the Mediterranean, but the harbor filled up with silt and they had no capacity for dredging it out. So it's, it's a bit inland. Some of the finest um, examples of Roman architecture, worship. So Rome really poured a lot of money into that, uh, that port, that city uh, in Ephesus. And Paul was significant in growing a church there. And so it's not surprising that he would write there. Ephesus has a very interesting history with Christianity because if you remember or know this, uh, one of the seven sayings of Jesus from the cross was he looked at one of his disciples, John, and he said, and looked at his mother, Mary, who was there in the crowd a little bit back, and said to John, behold your mother, mother, behold your son. Now he was, Jesus was the oldest son in the family, so he's responsible for his mother once his father has passed away. And so from the cross, he's taking care of his mother. So if you look, you can search out. There is a place in Ephesus today you can visit that's called the House of Mary. And we do know that John the Apostle, the one spoken to by Jesus there, uh, went to um, Ephesus and uh, he was experienced a season of persecution there. So he's put on an island off the coast called Patmos. And that's where he has uh, the experience of Revelation that we call the book of Revelation, the last book uh, in the New Testament. He says he's in the spirit on the Lord's day. He was L-U-I, living under the, the spirit, under the influence of the spirit. And he sees that. And, you know, may it be just as uh, Victor prayed that God's spirit would speak to you now. Uh, that, that you would know the living God knows you, cares about you, speaks to you and listens to you, uh, even as we go forward. Now. It was called a symposium. And in that first century, when a group of fraternity elites got together for a drinking party, they would come together and drink. And while they were drinking, waiting to get a really good buzz on, uh, they would sing songs of praise to their gods. I don't know if it was Zeus or Jupiter or Xena or Athena. You know, they had a lot of gods to sing to. Uh, so uh, there was plenty of room to imbibe. Well, if, if, as we read this, you'll see what Paul is doing is comparing that symposium experience 
with how we're to live. And we are to sing to one another and to the Lord from our heart, even as the Spirit fills us so that we can live under the influence. Um, now, there is a, uh, he died about 1976, a very influential Christian leader in China, mainland China, by the name of Watchman Nee. And he wrote a little book on the letter to the Ephesians, and I, I recommend it. Um, by the way, you have to be careful um, who you're talking to about Watchman Nee, because when I was working in China, uh, some people just thought he was wonderful, and others thought he was a cult leader. So I'm just warning you ahead of time, you know, check your audience. And if I'm offending you, I'm sorry, but this book's pretty good. And it has a great title, Sit, Walk, Stand. And what's going on in that fun title, Sit, Walk, Stand, is that's his outline of the letter to the Ephesians. So the first couple of chapters are about sitting, resting in Christ, the finished work of Christ on the cross, that he has accomplished for us what we need to be put right with God. We don't have to do anything but receive it. Sit. And then the next part is walk. How to walk in Christ. How to walk with Christ. How to walk in this world. And then the third one is how to stand. Because once you start walking for Christ, you will meet adversity. You will meet the enemy. And you're going to have to learn how to stand against those troubles. So we're right in the midst of the walking portion of that outline. Sit, walk, stand. So in verse 15, it says... Be careful, or, or excuse me, pay careful attention Then how to walk. See, I told you it was in the walk section. Not as unwise, but as wise. Now, the very first message in this psalm series was from Psalm 1, which is about the wisdom of worship. There's a wisdom that comes. And there are some people that are worth hanging out with because they live and walk wisely. God wants you to be one of those. Making the most of the time. Now, uh, the evangelical tradition, the Protestant work ethic, means that we misunderstand that verse. We think it means you have to be working all the time. You know, um, I think it was Winnie the Pooh that said, my goodness, I don't have time for anything. I've just been pounding extra appointments into my book. Um, the Mad Hatter says you have to run as fast as you can just to stay in place. You have to run faster than that just to get anywhere. Anybody trying to live like that? That's not what this verse means. It's like, um, it, it's, uh, it uses the word agora, which means the big marketplace. And it means to seize opportunities. Seize the day. Seize the opportunity. Um, we have a saying in our family, never pay full price because we want to seize the opportunity. Um, and that's, that's the notion here to walk, you know, part of walking wisely. Um, because the days are evil. Um, I know you don't take, need any convincing of that. Just read the paper. Listen to the news. Um, some of you probably don't watch the news anymore because the days have so evil. 
Uh, there's a lot of TV shows I don't watch because, you know, it's about people's lives are so messed up. But I know so many people living like that. I don't need to watch TV. Uh, the days are evil. So verse 17. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. The source of wisdom is guidance and discerning God's will and leadership. You got some wise people in your life? Hang out with them. You know, that's why we want to spend time with the Lord personally and publicly to get his wisdom on life. And don't get drunk with wine. Now, the, the Greek word means don't get soaked. You know, it means to have so much wine in you that it, it takes over. Um, I know a lot of former alcoholics. And, um, you know, an alcoholic, they self-medicate and they know just how much to take before they lose control. Now, the problem with alcohol and other, you know, self-anesthetic entities is um, you need more and more each time to get the same high as you had before. So it becomes addiction forming. And uh, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions. But the, the Greek, the original language is very strong. It means it sends everything to wreck and ruin. Um, there's an old expression of uh, going to hell on a fast horse. And if you've ever met somebody who's sliding into addiction, you can see that. And you don't know if you should try to stop the car wreck or get out of the way before you get wrecked too. Um, and we need to be very sensitive to people around us who are sliding into addiction. And uh, do anything we can to get them help. Now, a lot of times people aren't open to help. And you can't fall into codependence where you're helping them, you know, survive in a life that's coming apart. Um, that leads to reckless actions. Okay, now, comma. But be filled by the Spirit. Be filled by the Spirit. Um, and actually, it means be being filled. Uh, and we are to live that way. Live being filled by the Spirit. Um, do you remember, uh, there is a story about Jesus and this Samaritan woman up at the well, Jacob's well. And Jesus is thirsty. And he asks if, you know, she's drawing water out. Can I get a drink from you? And I, she may have dropped her bucket. I don't know, because... Jewish men never talked to Samaritan women. And so she calls him on it. And he, he says to her, if you just knew who you're talking to, you'd be asking me for a drink. You'd be asking me to fill you with this spirit. Uh, and he says to her, the water I give that person will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, if, you've, if you're a first time here or haven't been around us very much, if you've been watching some of these people, you can see it happen even during the worship service. You know, they come in as normal, but all of a sudden they start singing and, and talking. And you can see the fire is lit in them. They're filled up. Um, the first time I was in Portland, Oregon, this is years ago, 
probably doesn't exist now. I mean, Oregon's still there, Portland's still there, but I mean what I'm about to tell you. Um, I, I was on a break and I, and I went out to uh, the park and in the middle of the park there was a water fountain. Two things about this water fountain. First, the water in Oregon tastes awesome. Tastes awesome. Uh, the worst cal- water in California is in San Diego because you know what it is. It's the dregs of the Colorado River. After everybody across the country is taking water out, then San Diego gets the water and it tastes lousy. But Oregon's water is awesome. It just tastes wonderful. I don't even know if they sell bottled water there. The water tastes so good. But, you know, I'm from California, like you guys. And so I got a good drink. And then the water was still running. So I, I, you know, I walked around the fountain. I looked. They don't even have handles to turn the water on or turn it off in Portland in that day. You know, that'd be illegal in California. The water's just running. You and I are made to be like that. When Jesus installs his spirit in your heart and in your life, there's no turn off or turn on valve. Now, the scripture does say that you can grieve the spirit, you can quench the spirit, but it's God's intention, let it run. I have a friend, he said, after he heard this verse, you know, be being filled. And he yells out, and refills are free. God is always willing to fill. Now, the idea of filling is to be so present with the Lord that you're under his guidance, you're under his influence. Live under the influence of the Lord. You can feel that influence, that guidance, that nudging, that conviction, that confirmation, that affirmation, that love. Okay. Now, I started to bring it this morning. I had it all it's still sitting outside, out on my desk, um, a wine goblet. And I was just thinking about if we're, if we're sort of like that, and that's a picture of our soul, you could be filled with a lot of things. You know that? Um, you can be filled with anger. You can live angry. Uh, now, the problem with anger is it turns to bitterness. Bitterness is just old anger. Anger you've let sit around becomes toxic to you and anybody else that's around you. The scripture says, don't let any root of bitterness spring up and defile many. Um, You can be filled with pride. You know, you've had some accomplishments, you've done well, and it's kind of up inside you. Now, if anybody, woe to anybody that might critique you, if you're filled with pride, you're going to defend what you're proud about to the end. You can be filled with lust. Uh, you know, the, the pornography capital of the world is Los Angeles. And you can turn to pornography and fill yourself up with lust. Um, you can fill yourself with anxiety and fear. You can let anxiety grab you. So you don't, you don't try anything new. You don't rock your boat. You don't take risks. You don't act with creativity and courage. Um, you're afraid to fail. Because somebody's made you, or you've let yourself, or you've listened to the whisper of the enemy. Um, uh, you can be filled with despair. Uh, I, I, I subscribe to this thing called um, Great Courses. And I got this great course on writing. And in the course I was working through, it said that, now be careful, the most addictive 
feeling that writers try to bring people across is despair. Despair is great to write about. Don't write about it, he said. And I'd like to get that. I, I loaned that set to somebody, and I've never seen it since. I'd like to get that back, just to go back and reread that. But um, giving up on life, giving up on a marriage, giving up on a career, giving up on life, giving up on yourself, that kind of despair, you can be filled with that. But you are not designed to be filled up with that. You are made to be filled with the Spirit of Christ. God wants to get close to you and stay close to you. He loves you. He wants to hang out with you. And that's what this is about. Now, um, if, you, uh, if you skipped over a couple of pages and you'd get to a, a letter that's uh, called 1 Timothy and then there's a 2 Timothy. Uh, Timothy was um, the teacher's pet. He was Paul's fair-haired boy. He was the guy that Paul was not just disciple-making, but leader-making, apostle-making. He was going to take over the pastorate of the church at Ephesus. And so if you read First and Second Timothy, it kind of reads like a ordination. The first ordination, the second ordination, you know, like vax, vaccination. You know, you've got to get the first one, you've got to get the second one. Well, you read the second one, chapter 4, verse 5, it's like a one-sentence ordination sermon. And in it, he says, be sober. Now, sober means... Literally, it means be empty-headed. Now, what it means positively is get your head filled with the right stuff. Don't get it filled with pride and anger and so forth. You know, the fastest way to lose credibility is to lose your temper um, if you're a leader. Uh, So practice self-control. Do the work of an evangelist. Always have a handout to care for people. Um, Now, The spirit-filled Christian produces two kinds of fruit. There's inner fruit of a redeemed character. Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. I love that. I'm glad that word's in there. Gentleness and self-control. And the outer fruit is a life of uh, praise and service. Uh, This spirit-filled life blends ecstasy. Now think of that. Ek means out of, stasis, stasis, holding still. It means to lift you out of a normal self to a higher level. Ecstasy and ethics. Um, uh, Forgive me for diverting. Uh, I teach church history. Catherine of Siena was an Italian... Um, Catholic mystic and she was so uh, from an early age it was clear she she was going to commit herself to following the Lord and she didn't want to get married she already had a marriage so to speak to, to the Christian life and she would pray and uh, th- her life became so dramatic that even though she was still in her teens other ladies in the town would call her mother they looked for her for wisdom and what i really like about catherine of Siena is she would have these wonderful ecstatic experiences in worship 
And then as soon as she came down, she went out to help the poor. In fact, the family had to be very careful with their budget because she would cut their food budget in half and take the other half and give it to the poor. Um, she became famous for that. And her, because she lived a spirit-filled life, when she wrote a letter to the Pope and said, you need to get back to Rome, he did it. If you will live, if I will live a spirit-filled life, God will give us influence way beyond our imagination like that. Uh, it blends, the spirit-filled life blends ecstasy and ethics. They go together. Worship and mission. Worship and mission. Uh, and then it says it, speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. You know, I, I've been a Christian for decades now, and I've often wondered, do Muslims like to sing this much? How about Hindus? There's something about this Christian faith that makes you want to sing, that lifts your spirit up. And the scripture and the word of God gives us words that we can set to music and put to music. Now, uh, let's, let me be a grammarian for a minute. That be filled is imperative. It's a participle. It's not something you can do. It can be done to you if you allow it. Let the spirit fill you. And then it has a bunch of participles. Now, the way participles work is they don't know what to do unless they have an imperative or another verb that's leading them. They're, the, they're not the leaders. They're the followers. So, um, Speak has that same sense of imperative notion. It's a command, sing, all because it's following suit with be being filled. These things come one after another. And then it says, give thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I got a, an email yesterday. No, it was a text from a student. And he's, he's in trouble. He's, he's been notified by his landlord that unless he corrects these things, he's going to be evicted on Monday. And then he's driving his daughter uh, in their car, and the car just stops. So now his car doesn't work. So he's texting me and saying, I'm, I'm in trouble. What do I do? Um, will you pray for me? And uh, so I, you know, I said, okay, I'm praying for you. His name is Nathan. And I said, uh, do you have any attorneys in your church? Because, you know, it's really hard to evict somebody during COVID. So it really helps to have an attorney's voice call the landlord. And so then one of our other students is an attorney. She's Brazilian and she's brilliant. Um, and she knows how to play hardball. So maybe she'll be able to do something. And then I just put, I don't know why I put this, I put... It's time to cue the Bollywood song. <laughs> because when we're going through troubles, we can always give thanks. Because if your God can raise people from the dead, you have no fears. You have no fears. Now, we sang about that. You know, I was buried under shame, and I heard the Lord's voice, and I came running out of that grave. That's what I'm talking about. Give thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And then comes this next verse. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever thought about being a translator. Uh, publishing your own you know, version of the New Testament. There's a problem with this short verse. Does it go with what came before or does it go with what comes after? Uh, because you know what comes after. It says, wives, submit yourself to your husbands. Uh, husbands, lay down your life for your wives. Children, be obedient to your parents. Parents, remember, you're also responsible to me. Uh, servants, slaves, you know, serve your masters like you were serving me. Um, not me, but me. Um, and masters, remember, you have a master too. Uh, so where does this go? And if you read a lot of different English translations, you say not everybody's convinced where it should go. But I think it goes with what we just read. Um, it doesn't even have a verb in it. You know, it has this participle, submit to one another in the fear of Christ. What does that mean? Well, any person here who has the spirit of Christ is worth listening to. Anybody here. And you can't tell who it's going to be who might have that word from the Lord for you. That person might be hip high or head high. Be subject one to another. Listen to each other. Let the Lord speak into you through whichever mouth he chooses to use. Um, be subject one to another. It's not hierarchical. We're all on the same ground because of the cross. We're on level ground with the cross, so to speak. Um, now, I want to I chase the rabbit for just a minute. Um, I read through all of the marriage vows I could this morning to look to see if there are any marriage vows, it didn't, you know, whether you're um, Protestant, Catholic, Muslim, Hindu, so on and so forth, uh, almost very few still have that. Wives, um, you know, you know I, I will love, honor, and obey. A lot of them don't have that word obey anymore. Um, and then in this verse, it says, wives, be subject to your husbands. I want to say a couple of things about that. First, the way the New Testament deals with stuff, it deals with those who are in the lesser position, the lesser authority position first, and then those in the authority position second. Now, the word authority, that's not the best word to use there, but um, Paul writes to the wife before he gets to the husband. That is counterculture. And the way he talks to the wife is she is a free moral agent. Um, in other words, God is inviting her to subject herself to her husband. And it's not the husband's duty. It's between her and the Lord that this could happen. Later on, Peter is going to warn husbands. Husbands, if you're not considerate of the wife's choice to subject herself, to honor and respect you, if you're not considerate of that, don't bother praying because your prayers are going to be hindered. It's very important that we recognize um, that we are responsible for loving and cherishing those that we're responsible for. And so then comes to husbands, and then again, when he moves to the relationship between children and parents, he doesn't just talk to the parents. He doesn't even talk to the parents first. He talks to the children first as if they are free moral agents in the Lord. I'm calling you to submit yourself 
to your parents. And that happened to me when I was 16. That spirit had, you know, I, in my heart in such a way that I decided to become my mother's servant. Instead of trying to undercut her, I tried to build her up. That was a dramatic change for me, and I think my mom, mother noticed it right away. Uh, certainly my brothers thought I'd lost my mind, and, uh, but I found my mind, the mind of Christ, uh, with reference to that. Um, okay, so just note those things and the patterns that are there in Scripture. God speaks to the person in the lesser position and then the higher position, but it's reciprocal. And the most important thing in a marriage, the first step in the marriage, is to find unity and oneness in Christ together. And then you can sort this stuff out. Okay, that, that's a, a free marital counseling kind of thing. Now let's get back to the real stuff. Worship leaders, I know I'm preaching to the choir literally, um, but worship leaders have two tasks. Number one task, to lead people outside of faith to step in to trust Christ. You're here, you're getting a look at what the Christian life is like. You're hearing about who Christ is. You're sensing that he's reaching out to you. Will you reach up to him? You've been adopted into the family circle of God and can say with your full heart, Father, my Father. The Spirit himself endorses our inward conviction that we really are the children of God. Inviting people to enter the new life in Christ, to trust him fully, completely, wholly. Second point in the job description is to lead Christians who are living in disobedience to be restored to Christ. Uh, my friend Jess Moody, he says, the carnal person is an anti-worship agent. That's a very strong idea. An anti-worship agent. What does he mean that? Um, if our command is to be being filled, what happens when a Christian is being emptied or filling themselves with not the spirit, but one of those other things we talked about, anger, lust, greed, filling themselves with that. And they come to church, and the worship leader is trying to lead them to be filled with the spirit of Christ. And it's almost as if there's an election here, a vote. All those in favor of being spirit-filled, you know, raise your hand. All those who are unwilling to be spirit-filled, raise your hand. And that kind of person is voting no to the work of the Spirit here. And that's very significant for what happens. Um, you know, and First John 1, 9, you know, I don't care how long you've lived with resistance to the Lord. Scripture says, if you'll confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. His mercy is unending. Step into it. So here's the thesis. The greater the proportion of spirit-filled believers in this assembly today, whether it's online or in person, the greater the experience of God's saving power because fewer and fewer people are voting against the work of the Lord. The magnetism, magnetism of the inner and outer fruit of the spirit-filled believers is what draws people to Christ. Um, and it's this magnetism in the realm correlates with something called superconduction in the realm of physics. If you've read anything about 
superconductivity or superfluidity. But in, in 1911, in Sweden, a guy named Heiko Onnes discovered that if you will lower the temperature of certain metals, when it gets down to zero, I'm talking about Kelvin, not Fahrenheit or centigrade. When it gets down to zero there, uh, when it reaches a certain point, certain superconductive metals, their resistance to a flow of electricity goes to zero. What that means is, if you introduce a flow around the circle of that metal at that temperature, it will never stop. There's no resistance. That means it's like your battery would never run down. But he found out something else. That superconductive element has a force to repel magnetism. That means if you've got a magnet that's above this superconductive material, it will float. Or you can flip it the other way. You could have uh, the superconductive material above and you put magnets below it. It'll lift the material. Now you've seen these bullet trains that are going to use that kind of technology. They will float down the rail. That means you could push a train that's, you know, 20 cars uh, in, in, in a row. You could push it with your hand because it's floating because of superconductivity. Now, once I realized that at the right temperature, resistance goes to zero, I thought, that's like us. If you and I will surrender to the Lord and offer no resistance, we will become superconductors for God's Spirit. We're resisting Him. If we say, I'm not going to live in resistance ever anymore. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to be being filled. We'll become superconductors for his spirit. The spirit of Christ will be able to do some incredible work through us. Well, how can someone live guided and energized by the spirit of Christ? Just four disciplines I want to mention. Practice, a friend of mine calls it, a daily coronation. When you get up in the morning, coronate Christ as your Lord and King. Put the crown on his head. He's the Lord of your life. Every day, have a coronation. Put Christ as King and Lord of your life. Second, keep confessed and forgiven. I mean, I take a bath every day. <laughs> keep confessed. Keep cleansed. Um. Devote daily time in the word, asking for illumination. Ask the Lord to take these words and make them live in your life. I can see the breezes coming up. Um, and fourth, live humbly with acts of kindness and words of boldness. Acts of kindness and words of boldness. Because we become instruments of God's service. We become his hands, his feet, his voice his arms, to people that he directs us to so that we can do something kind towards them so that we can speak a word <coughs> excuse me, into their life. And when we meet together, you know, ask me, have you had a chance to do an act of kindness this week? 
Have you had a chance to speak a world of boldness this week? You know, ask me. And let me ask you back. That's when we are speaking words of psalms and songs and praise to one another. Um, be being filled. Live under the influence. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to look at these words that um, the Apostle Paul wrote. And may your spirit illumine them in our lives. Lord, as, uh, as John, Jonathan said, that, and Victor prayed, uh, Lord, speak. What do you want from us today? Um, there's someone here that you've been speaking to and talking to and uh, they're ready now to lean into you and trust you, Lord. Uh, I pray right now that your spirit would prompt them and enable them to receive Christ as Lord and Savior forever, to find forgiveness of sin, uh, to, to experience being born again by the Spirit so they can cry out to you, Father, Father, and uh, see that installation of that living fountain in their life with no handles be being filled. Lord, for somebody who's come here today and they've been resistant to asking your forgiveness. Maybe they've asked your forgiveness about this issue many times. But you always forgave. Forgive again, Lord, because they cry out to you now. Uh, cleanse them, restore them, fill them. We love you, Lord, because of this magnificent, wonderful way you keep loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Rick. We're going to take some time to reflect, um, to fill out the connection cards. And um, as Rick mentioned, I would, uh, as Rick prayed, I would encourage you to search your heart and ask God to reveal um, the points of resistance where you just can't lay it down yet. And ask for the strength from our God to put that down. That he might fill you with his spirit. That you may live lives of joy, ecstasy, and ethics. We're going to take some time to reflect on that right now.
darkness tries to hide, trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God.
God, you're the one who walks on water. You're the one who calms the raging seas. You're the one who pours out your spirit on your sons and your daughters and your servants, Lord. As we lay down our inhibitions, we lay down our resistance, all the sin that we hold inside, Lord, we repent and confess and we give them to you. God, make us as a church body of spirit-filled believers, so joyful, so excited to sing your praise and to live out your character and what you have commanded us to, Lord. We are yours. We submit that to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. a little bit of that singing to one another. We're going to practice some of that joy that we've got. We've got a new song called House of the Lord and just singing about the joy that is in the body of Christ because of what Jesus has done for us. So if uh, you guys want to get your little boogie on, get a little clapping on, we're going we're gonna to try that real quick. Take us away. Join 
house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. joy-filled, spirit-filled lives this week. We'll see you guys all in seven days. The week before Mother's Day. Mother's Day is in two weeks, guys. Put that on your calendar.